Hello, I'm Charles Woolley. And I'm Kim McKay, Director and CEO of the Australian Museum. We're the nation's first museum and we house the treasures of our nation and the region. We're going to discover some of those today in the newly restored Westpac Long Gallery. So join us in exploring the iconic, astounding and curious objects that have helped shape Australia and the world as we uncover the hidden stories of 200 treasures of the Australian Museum. Kim, I've been to the Antarctic, have you? I have, Charlie. I've uh, very fortunately visited Commonwealth Bay, the home of Mawson's Huts. Windiest place on earth, they say. I've never seen the hut. I've been to one of our Antarctic bases and had a great time. It's a fabulous place, isn't it? To, to walk away by yourself on the snow until you can't see any people or anything and be alone in the loneliest place in the world gives you the feeling that Mawson must have had. I liken it to being on another planet, as close an understanding to that as you could get. Antarctica is magical, but it really gives you that sense of a different world. And as we know from looking at the display of Mawson and his equipment, we know that, in fact, it was almost more dangerous than another planet. I think Mars will be easier to colonise than, uh, than uh, Mawson and his friends and, and uh, surviving on the ice. Well, certainly in the early 1900s, during this incredible age of exploration in Antarctica, Mawson's equipment compared to that which we might go to Mars with today mm. would have been on the same level in terms of technology. So the challenges that our early explorers in that golden age of exploration faced in Antarctica were certainly probably similar to the challenges that we face in space exploration. I'm looking at Mawson's sledge and it's a fairly, I suppose it's robust, it's plenty of steel and rope and welds holding it together. But um, it's pretty basic, isn't it? It is. It's not a moonmobile, is it? <laughs> no, but it was effective. Uh, these sledges, of course, carried their entire supplies and had to move over a lot of crevasses in the ice and had to be sturdy, and they worked. So, in fact, Mawson had over 30 of these, I think something like 36 on that original expedition, and he was a very good fundraiser, you know. He was one of the first explorers to understand sponsorship, just like Sir Ernest Shackleton had. What's the name of this gallery? The 200 Treasures of the Australian Museum in the Westpac Long Gallery. In the gallery. Westpac Long Gallery. Yeah, you learned a lesson from Mawson. I did take a leaf out of Mawson's book, I can tell you. And the interesting thing about this is Mawson would go to each of the state governments and say give me £10,000 towards my expedition and in return, when I come back, I'll give you a sledge or I'll give you an ice pick or other equipment so that you can keep it in your museums. And that's exactly how the Australian Museum came to hold some of the Mawson collection. Now, we know the sledge worked well, but when it didn't work well, I mean, when it went down a crevasse, it was a different story, wasn't it? It was indeed. And, of course, the famous story about Sir Douglas Mawson where he was out trekking with Ninnis and Mertz. And then, of course, Ninnis fell down a crevasse and perished. And then the, the claim that uh, Mertz was, in fact, victim to Sir Douglas Mawson's survival. Well, needs must out there in the ice. There's nothing else to eat. Eat your colleague. 
Well, we there is that story, but of course, in more recent times, the explorer and expeditioner Tim Jarvis, who actually is the Australian Museum's adventurer in residence. He's our own Tim Jarvis. Our own Tim Jarvis, from South Australia too now. So Tim uh, set out to prove that Mawson didn't eat Mertz, and he indeed managed to demonstrate that in his expedition in a television documentary. Yeah, I think it's interesting. Mawson goes back to the rather stuffy, sedate society of the city of Adelaide, and people must look at him cocktail parties and say, that's Mawson. He might have eaten Mertz, my dear chap. Well, but Mawson had so many elements to his personality. Remember, he was deeply in love with his wife and wrote those remarkable love letters yes, to yeah, her. lovely stuff. So, you know, I think Mawson's achievements and, of course... He graces our currency as well, demonstrate the remarkable achievements that he had because on those expeditions, uh, he established that coastline, explored the coastline of Antarctica over 3,000 kilometres and claimed it, of course, for Australia's custodianship. And he asserted that. So he was an extraordinary man. When he returned to Adelaide, of course, he had a lot of students at the university and he turned many of them, like the famous Reg Spriggs, into some of South Australia's leading environmentalists. Oh, I think he inspired an entire generation. You know, so some of the uh, specimens they brought back from Antarctica on those voyages were just extraordinary, you know, for study. Uh, As part of the collection we have, we've even got um, a meteorite found in a deli land. Which is, ex- which is just remarkable to be able to study. How the hell in all that ice and snow do you find a meteorite? With difficulty, Charlie. <laughs> I'm assuming maybe it, it, was, it, it was exposed in, in one of those parts of the Antarctic that I've seen where the ice and the snow disappears during the summer, where the penguins actually nest. That's right. So in Adeli land, it was the first meteorite ever discovered in Antarctica and it weighed a kilogram. And it was found by Francis Bickerton in the 1912 Mawson expedition. Bickerton was a leader of a sledge team mapping areas west of the party's main base, while Mawson was leading a separate eastern team. Mawson, of course, was a geologist himself and examining accessible rock formation of Wilkes Land Uh, which was a key feature of the expedition. So obviously uh, this had emerged, of course, in this part of the world. There are catabatic winds, those extraordinary winds that just slide down the edge of mountains. At speeds of? Oh, well over 100 kilometres an hour. I mean, just extraordinary winds. I've experienced one of those. They just knock you over. And that's how the meteorites are then exposed on the surface. Ah, right. When Mawson gets back to the ship, the ship's gone. He's had a hell of a time. He's lost two members of, of, of the party. He goes back and the bloody boat has sailed. He can see it on the horizon. Hey, wait for me! You know, it must have been very distressing, but, of course, some other compatriots had waited there who had agreed to winter over, and so they managed to survive. When you go into Mawson's huts, you realise that they were very well set up. Mm. You know, there was a photographic studio in there uh, for Hurley. There was all sorts of equipment stored in the huts. There was a, an office even, a, a desk, where Mawson would sit and write. It was quite, quite an extraordinarily sophisticated setup, but I wouldn't want to winter over there. 
No, and how philosophical do you have to be to say, oh, well, we'll just have to wait another year, old chap. <laughs> Not much else you can do, and this is why Antarctica is Antarctica, of course, They today. had plenty to eat, though, didn't they? They did. Uh, they had made sure that they were well-equipped when they actually set off on the expedition itself. But, of course, many men became ill by eating the liver of the dogs that was contaminated. That's right. Some kind of vitamin poisoning. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. And, of course, uh, the, the, the penguins didn't uh, agree with their stomachs either. No, that's right. So it was vitamin A toxicity from the liver of the sledge dogs. And, uh, of course, the penguins, especially the king penguins that they were eating, because, you know, they were quite meaty, yes. uh, also did contribute to poisoning. But a bit of seal was all right. Seal was fine. From 18 million treasures in the Australian Museum, we've selected just 200 for you to consider. But even exploring this distillation is going to take us on a long and exciting adventure. I hope you will join Australian Museum Director Kim Mackay and myself as we continue our extraordinary odyssey through the collections of the Australian Museum. And of course, you can see it for yourself in the Westpac Long Gallery at the Australian Museum in Sydney. I'm Charles Woolley. And I'm Kim McKay. We'll see you next time.